What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track, formerly known as Pave the Way Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck, and on this show, you are gonna learn exactly how to be successful as a real estate investor. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you've done dozens and dozens of deals. This is a podcast you're gonna be able to listen to that's gonna give you actionable, specific advice on how to be successful within real estate investing. I'm gonna interview top-notch real estate investors each and every week, and there's also gonna be some content that is just gonna be me telling you exactly about my journey and how I've went from a broke kid starting out to a million-dollar real estate investor. So if you wanna learn how to be successful investing in real estate, this is the show to listen to, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve you at a high level. All right, so today we're going to do a podcast on a much needed topic for everybody. And I have an expert here who has done hundreds and hundreds of rehabs, and it's going to be all about estimating repair costs. How do you do this the right way? Because a lot of people make the big mistake of not understanding how much construction is going to cost and their entire project takes a shit. So Jeremiah, thanks so much for coming on today and uh, covering this really important topic. Thanks, buddy, for having me. I'm happy to be on. Awesome. So before we get into the the details, um, you know, this has been something you've been doing since 2015, you know, full time, basically rehabbing everything. So uh, you got a lot of experience. You're doing it in New York, which is obviously one of the tougher places to do it in. So uh, Jeremiah is is the best guy I could find to uh, educate us on this topic. So let's just kind of walk through, like, what do you do when when you guys are are going and investing in properties? How do you do your repair? Like, what is your kind of first step that you do or your team does at this point? Well, you know, first and foremost, right, is I'm always trying to buy in a big enough spread that allows for leeway. Okay. So even if there's things that pop up that I don't see or I miss something because I mean, we're making a lot of offers and we're, you know, obviously can't spend a ton of time underwriting you because, as you know, we're getting only a small portion of what we see actually under contract. And so we have to look at a lot of deals in order to make that work. So I always want to make sure there's a big spread. Now, over time, I've developed, you know, the ability to look just from photos and videos at roughly what things will cost. That coupled with a big spread allows me to, for the most part, consistently make money. There'll be times, usually when we lose money, it's a combination of we completely just miss interpreted or misread what the property needed it didn't sell for as much you know whatever the case is um there's just and obviously because of that it took longer and so we burned through holding costs that's usually when we lose money now in situations where i don't personally go out anymore and see the houses i get photos and videos but you have to start obviously from the very beginning and look at the house itself right so People overlook the demo element. So demo can range um, depending on how big of a rehab you're doing. You could be spending quite a bit on just contents. I mean, content removal alone, you know, dumpsters, a 30-yard dumpster is eight to $900, you know, especially if they're overweight. So you're now looking at, you know, a potential cost just to remove contents of three, four grand. Then you're talking about the original initial demo of pool, of um, bathrooms, pool removal, kitchen, siding. So demo can easily be eight to $9,000, right? That can easily be that cost. So you start off with that. 
Now you're looking at siding, right? So for the most part, what has allowed us to be consistent is we typically go for the same style house, same size house. So I know that on our typical rehab, right, a siding job is going to cost ten thousand dollars. That's to a do roof, the siding on a normal house in a regular on a normal area. house, ten to eleven thousand dollars. It's a little bit bigger. If we're using cedar impression, that number can go up to thirteen or fourteen. Roof on average is eight to ten thousand dollars, but again, not all being equal. You rip off the roof, you have to replace plywood. There's a cost involved in that. That could easily add a thousand if you have to, you know, to two thousand. You've got to repair all the plywood. These are things that you don't see. So obviously, the you know, we've got roof, we've got siding, we've got demo. I know that windows cost anywhere from, depending on how many windows, six to eight grand. Okay. That's where we the tip, that. that's if you're doing all the windows on the full house. If you're repairing the full house. everything, you know what I mean. Could be a little less. Could be a little less if it's a smaller house. Um, now understand, I'm looking at this because I've done the same house so many different times, um, and I can look at something. I can probably say seven. You know, I can look at it within 15 seconds. Get within about 10. percent okay. I remember. The book that I read on estimating rehab co courses uh, from uh, Jay Scott. Yeah, that's a good book. Um, you, know, you know, he was, you know, somebody that, you know, had a big impact on me. Um, and I remember him saying, my goal, I could be misquoting this, is to have, be able to estimate within 15 seconds, within 10% of what the rehab cost. And I'm like, that's crazy. But eventually, you get there. Yeah. It just happens. Right. It's just like you don't know how or when it just one day it just kind of clicks. So I want to just kind of keep yeah, people have that in mind that in the beginning, you, you want to break it down on a spreadsheet. Maybe it doesn't take you 30 seconds. Maybe it takes you five minutes. You know what I mean? Um, and again, there's not a whole lot of difference if between 30 seconds and five minutes. If you're looking at a couple of houses, when you start to do high volume and you got all this other stuff. Yeah, actually, that time makes a big difference. But I would say, you know, you're like I said, we going back to the cost of the windows. You know, now you're sorry, you got windows, you got siding, you got roof, you got demo, and you have gutters, which you know you add on like about another twelve hundred for. All right. So that's that element. Now, landscaping is an open-ended thing, depending on how much junk it could be a two thousand dollar landscape, depending on how big the property is, it could be a five to ten thousand, depending on how much there's on there. Um, we incorporate landscaping and driveway. Anything on the outside is sort of one big budget. You know what I mean? That number can vary significantly. But, you know, understand that if you're just a small piece of property and you're doing a mild cleanup, you're still going to be in for 2000 If you're doing a bigger piece of property and you got to remove a lot of junk and you got to do a driveway and everything like that, you could be closer to fifteen. So, yeah. And that adds up. And that's, that's we haven't even walked in the house and started doing the inside. So like rule of thumb, you know, 10 to 15 for siding, right? Is that what you said? 10 to 15. We got eight to 10, eight to 12 for a roof, depending on, you know, how big the house is, depending on how much you have to rip the layers off. We're looking at six to eight for windows, roughly, right? That's everything brand new, removing, replacing. Now, and we're talking about stock windows, like an American Craftsman, you know, yeah, we're not yeah, talking about, you know, Anderson or anything like that. Good windows, but, you know, not something that would be in a higher end. Yeah, no, that's good. 
That's really good because this is where people really they they don't, just don't know. Like they they just they're thinking the windows are going to be three grand and then they're seven grand and all of a sudden their whole budget gets skewed. On you know, average, it's about four hundred and change for you know every window that's installed. You know what I mean? So you know you do the math. You know what I mean? You you've got you know twenty windows. There you go. You know that's it. Simple math. Um, sliding glass door. You know, if you have a sliding glass door, twelve to thirteen hundred dollars. Just did that. Um, a six panel light. You know, a six panel front door, Craftsman style door, seven to eight hundred dollars. You know, installed. All right. So you know, now we've got our exterior. I can tell you that you know, electric, plumbing. Assuming you don't have to do a boiler, and AC. Is usually together if you're doing a full redo about thirty grand, you know. That's that, is that upgrading the electric, like it would be upgrading the electric switches, outlets, not rewiring the whole house. No, 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 just the panel, like the panel. Yeah, you're about ten thousand dollars for that. You're about ten thousand dollars for plumbing. You know what I mean? New baseboards, but that number could be a little less. But you know, if you're in for a boiler. You know, you're adding another five thousand to that. When you say plumbing, are you talking about doing new PEX piping? Like what? What PEX piping? New baseboard, shallow bodies. You know, water supplies for your sink, uh, appliance connections, uh, water supply for your vanities, toilets. You know, etc. The whole hookup, yeah, because that's a lot of the houses are just so shot. You you can't really. Yeah, you know what I mean? Screw it up. Yeah. Okay, so plumbing, electric. What about like when like a, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll it's usually like the electric is all jacked up. So like there's like electric in all the rooms, like actually like in this place, for example, like I have a light, I have a light up here, but I don't have hi hat lighting. I like to put hi hat lighting in. So I like the electrician to go in and drill three usually to four. Usually that 10,000 will get you a good amount of hi hats. Not everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, a good amount. of Again, we're talking about a 14 to 1800 square foot home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You know, you're probably adding, you know, amongst the bedrooms, you know, 12 to 15 hi-hats, you know, and then in the common areas, you know, probably another 10, you know. So yeah. on average, that's, you know, what it would be. And that makes a big difference, too, because when you have a nice new house and you have the hi-hat lighting, you could just turn the switch on versus having to get lamps and freaking and uh, ceiling fans. It's It really makes the house much more appealing to people because, you know, not a lot of people want to just put lamps and, in. And listen, I also want to, you know, a lot of people watch your podcast and they're from different parts of the country. And so levels of finishes vary. If you're looking at all these rehabs and they're selling and they're just putting, you know, single fixtures in, you know, with the basic builder grade. All right. I mean, if that's what works and that's what people are okay with, I know in my market where it's houses, you know, are medium prices, you know, tend to be, you know, 550 to seven you know, somewhere in that range, which used to be on the expensive side. Now it's like not that expensive, but still people are paying that amount of money. They're going to expect, you know, high hats. You know what I mean? They're going to expect quartz countertop. You know what I mean? They're going to expect, you know, bigger molding. And, you know, it's just, even if that's, you know, an entry level price, there's still a certain level of expectation. 100%. No, and that's, that's really market specific too. If you're doing this in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, your, your, your buyer is not expecting, you know, the Taj Mahal, but if you're in. Yeah. But you, again, you want it to be good, safe, clean, but you know, you may not have to put 20 high hats. You may not yeah. have to put any, you know, hundred percent. Let's cover the, the two things that really sell houses and it's kitchens and bathrooms. So 
what are you, and I'll, I'll just tell you what I normally have for numbers. And also we'll like to see what yours are. Cause we're basically in the same area. Normally, if we're doing a full kitchen, like I'm talking, everything goes and then everything comes in brand new, anywhere from eight to 14 grand, depending on how big the kitchen is. It depends. And what type of stuff I'm putting in. I would say 14 is, is on average. Um, yeah. With appliances, it could yep. go up a little bit. If the kitchen is bigger, could be closer to 12. It's a, a little smaller. Um, you know, again, your appliance cost is fixed. You might have a little bit more cost on countertop material, and you might have a little bit more cost on some cabinets. That's kind of where the variable is, but I'm still going to do the same, same kind of appliances. You know what I mean? So at the end of it, it doesn't vary too, too much for us. If you start adding waterfalls and a significant amount more cabinets and upgrading the appliances, that number can get up. Are you putting in builder grade cabinets or slow close fancy cabinets? Um, I mean, they're builder grade, I would say, but they're not like what you'd expect. I mean, it's soft close, it's solid plywood, you know what I mean? It's just, um, you know, what we define as builder grade might be considered an upgrade for other places, you know what I mean? Okay. But you're putting in the slow close quality cabinets that people. Yeah, really yeah. Like. They're cabinets that I wouldn't have a problem putting in my own house. Okay, that's fair. And are they normally white colored? Normally? White color, white shaker. Yeah. White. Everybody thought, you know, white shaker has been around now and it's not going away. Everyone thought it was going, you know, at some point it would vary. I remember people thought that the green shaker cabinets were going to actually. Um, push away the white shaker, but it just never materialized, you know? No, the white just looks good with everything, especially with a well-lit house. When you have the high hats, everything starts to sink together and you know the whole, and the quartz countertops, that's a nugget, by the way, because that, if you can just put the quartz in along that, just makes the property look that certain way. Oh, this is a new renovated property, you know? And you have to bear in mind, it's a significant cost difference from one to the other, but if you're not dealing with a ton of square footage, remember, they build by the square footage. So if it's not that much more square footage, it's not going to really cost you that much more. You know, we put like nice, you know, good flooring in on our bathroom tiles and I'll spend a little bit more there. It's not that much tile. And you stay in the bathroom, it's eight by five, it's just 40. But really after the way you take the tub, you know what I mean? You're talking about a little over 30 square feet. So I'm like, all right, well, I could do tile that's three bucks or four bucks a square foot. Or I could do 10, 11. It's costing me a couple hundred bucks, but it makes the bathroom. Makes it right? look so much better. Exactly. It's so much better. So it's when you're not dealing with a big square footage number, it doesn't matter, you know? 100%. And you actually just uh, opened up a can of worms for the next part of the show. This is where actually I hit you up a couple uh, months ago and I said, hey, this flooring quote's kind of giving me a little like toss up because I was like, I didn't think it was going to be that high because normally it's not. So what do, you, what do you normally see? Like if we're putting in, let's just make this as simple as possible lvp flooring in a normal house a cape a ranch whatever what are you normally seeing the total cost if we got to if you got to rip up the carpet you got the subfloor and you're putting in lvp flooring generally speaking what are you looking at on a cost per square foot basically? typically about six bucks a square foot you know Everything. that's materials and labor yeah typically six bucks a square foot is what the uh is what we're seeing because it's like three and change plus labor, but that could add up quick. That could add up quick. Well, if you got a 25, 2,500 square foot house, I'll just do the math. I mean, that's 
that's 15 grand off the shot, right? If that's a 25 and a lot of, a lot of buy levels by me are that big. Yeah. Right. That's not that unnormal. You know, to, you know, you got 1250 up front, 1250 down mm-hmm. bottom. That could be 15 grand. And if somebody's thinking they're four, five or seven, Hey Rocco, what's going on? Oh yeah. Rocco would enter the picture, you know? Yeah. If you ever want to send him to San Diego, I'll give you, I'll, I'll buy yeah, you. You're welcome to, to watch him once in a while. Yeah. So I've then, seen him do some damage in your basement on a side. Well, note. you should have seen what he did yesterday. He had a little bit of an upset stomach. I'll just leave it at that. You know? Oh boy. Um, yeah. Dog not included in the rehab package. So we got about six bucks a square foot for floors. Are you normally just putting an LVP? Is that if you can't finish? Yeah, because I mean, keep, keep in mind, like our houses, let's just say are 15, 1600 square feet. So you're over 10 grand. Because I mean, good flooring. I'll be quite frank. There was a flooring a couple of years ago that I really loved. It was cheap. It was like, I don't know, buck 80 a square foot. I loved it. Put it in my office or my wife's office, I should say. It's shot. It's shot. So Is a lot of this big? flooring... Looks good, looks cheap, but you don't want to be the guy known. And I hate that it's in some of our houses as, oh, yeah, you put down this cheap floor and now it's all coming up. So, you know, <laughs> three to four dollars a square foot gets you something like I have something in my basement, which you've seen it's three to four dollars a square foot. I put that down in 2014, nine years later. It's held up really well. You know what I mean? It's held up really well. So that, you know, I, I feel like that's money well spent. That's the kind of floor you want to put in. Something that, you know, is going to last 10 to 15 is, years. Is the cheap floor yeah. laminate? Is that why it's getting ripped up? It looks like it's, yeah, it's a laminate. laminate. Yeah. yeah. It's a laminate, you know. Yeah. I've made that mistake. I've done a few properties where the laminate and the LVP looked exactly the same to the naked eye. But then a year and a half later, it's like, <laughs> this is a total piece of shit. And then you're, yeah, you got to, you know, the, the tenant or the the new buyer is kind of like, what the hell? Yeah, um, you don't want that, you know, but I would say, you know, a flooring, a 10,000 for flooring is not out of the realm of possibilities, especially, you know, in a flood, just say a house that, you know, you have, if, you know, it's 1600 square feet, you know what I mean? You do the math. It adds up quick. I mean, again, the cost of the floor, the cost of the padding, the labor to put it down, you know what I mean? Um, I could be a little bit on the high side, but again, I'm accounting for the fact that nothing's cheap anymore. No. And what I'm quoting is three. I'm going off of numbers a couple of months ago. Could really be like 350, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, keeps going up for sure. So we got flooring covered now. So let's get into now the bath, like bathrooms. Because I, I, at least in our area, like if I'm doing like a rental property rehab, which we just did one recently, I'm putting in a tub base, like a plastic tub piece. I'm not tiling it because tile can get fucked up with tenants sometimes. So I'm putting in like a tub piece. I'm putting in a brand new toilet. I'm putting in a plain Jane vanity and we're painting it. And the the LVP floor is usually just going to be in the bathroom too. This is for for a rental. That's okay. Yeah. I think, you know, I think what you do in a rental because there's so much turnover, I think that's acceptable. I don't, however, think you can do that in the in rehab in the areas that we operate. You know? Yeah. Well, if you're in the high, if you're selling above four fifty five hundred, I agree. You have to tile it and do tile in the bathroom and make it. So, what are you? I'm normally seeing my bathrooms are anywhere from. I know it's a pretty big variance, like anywhere from forty five hundred to sixty five hundred, like all in. Yeah. Again, the numbers are probably a little bit higher. I would say seven or nine in our case. Okay, seven. But now, you're understand high end stuff. Well, we're you know our vanities are four or five hundred. Again, it's 
we're accounting for, you know, the good tower, good, you know, end products, you know, we're not putting Kohler toilets in, but we're not putting Glacier Bay in either. Maybe we do an American standard. Um, you know, that's on average. Um, I'm not saying that that, that might be a little bit low. Every I'm just saying everybody prices things differently, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about the plumbing, a contractor may say, well, the cost of doing the plumbing is X, right? But they may be billing the bathroom as a separate cost all in with that plumbing. So depending on how they, they do it, like I have guys and some of their in-house guys will handle the bathrooms and that's incorporated in their price, whereas somebody else... He's going to bring his plumber in to kind of do everything. His bathroom cost might seem less, but, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. But his bathroom costs seem less only because he's factored in the total plumbing for the house, which includes those areas. Yeah, and it could be two separate line items versus just one total thing. Yeah, the bathroom. I mean, and another thing too with the bathrooms, you got to make sure those bathrooms look good. I mean, nobody wants to buy a house with like a shitty bathroom. It just, it just kind of like a... It's just kind of like, you know, especially if you like do a really good house and then the bathroom you didn't redo and they get like old toilets in there. It just really like makes buyers kind of, you know, walk the other way sometimes depending yeah. on the price of the house. So let's cover paint. This is something that is fairly straightforward, but normally a paint job we're looking at, like, I mean, what are you seeing? Like 350 a square foot to paint usually four bucks a square foot. Yeah, four. You know what I mean? I, I think that's fair. You know, four bucks a square foot and paint's going up. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that's in labor to do it right. You know, the even lines, you know, but yeah, I would say that's fair. Four bucks a foot. So if you got a 1,500 square foot house, I mean, we'll just do the math here. So four times 1,500. Six, but yeah, six grand. Yeah, six grand. I mean, that's, and that's 1,600 square foot house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the paint. So we got most of the inside part of the house done at this point. Oh, sheetrock. What about sheetrock? What do you what do you kind of do for that? Sheetrock for a house, again, if you're doing a whole house, could be seven to eleven grand. Mm-hmm. That's if you got to gut the house, obviously. That's if you're taking the house inside yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, assuming the demo's been done and the walls are clear and the studs are clear and nails and they come in, about what it is. Yeah. And then you got to paint the sheetrock. So this, this stuff adds up, you know, you really got to, this is why I really love the wholetail model, which is when we can go in and buy the houses that are not totally dilapidated and just new bathroom, new, you know, countertop like that is like my favorite. Cause we can save on a lot of the, the costs, you know, instead of having to gut a house and yeah. rebuild everything from the inside out. Um, so we got most of the inside covered. So let's, let's, let's kind of end, you know, the SOW on, Stuff that really scares people, well, septic, um, oil tanks. This is a big yeah. deal in our area. So, so yeah. before I just wanted to say, on average, too, don't forget about trim, right? Your base molding and, you know, your uh, doors, you know, that could be anywhere from six to 8,000. You know what I mean? So just people have to understand that, you know, that cost of it. Um, but going into... So obviously a new septic system could, you know, cost you anywhere from seven to upwards of 20, you know, depending if you've got to put a septic in that's, you know, what they call now these IA compliant systems, um, they could go really, really crazy. Again, that's more for new builds. If you're expanding um, a basic, you know, septic, not changing anything about the house and you're just changing what's there, 
you know, you're looking at eight to 11,000 for septic. Okay. Yeah. We don't have a ton of well water. Um, but I can tell you like a brand new well will be at least 10,000, if not more. That's if you got to insert it, like Brent, like rip the old one out, put a new one in, start to finish about 10 grand. Yeah. So that's, so you get the well, right? Um, you have septic. Um, you know, obviously, um, framing repairs, you know, we have a lot of termite issues, right? So like we notice that there's been termite activity, we might put a termite baiting system in, you know, which, which is going to cost us, you know, six, $700 for a baiting system that'll deal with the termite issue, but then you got to deal with the damage. However much that could be, that could be a thousand dollar fix. It could be a $6,000 fix. If you're, you know, got to replace the main beam. Cause do you want to know what scares sense? people? Yeah, that scares the shit out of it. Are you putting termite tents over the properties or no? No, there's it's a baiting system. Oh, okay, okay. So it's just these little systems. It's, it's a black cylinder, drops into the ground, probably six to seven inches in diameter, and they put them around. And basically what happens with a termite baiting system is they the termites are attracted to the food. The food is poison. They eat it. They bring it back to the colony to share with the rest of the termites. They also eat it. I think this is how it works. Uh, and basically, it kills the colony. Got it. So it was kind of, remember I, uh, last year, I told you about my uh, German cockroach house. Remember that yes. one? Similar. We did that inside, though. And that, that got oh, yeah. the out So there. termites, we have a big issue with. And so the termite treatment isn't bad. But what the termites have done you know, in their time being there, that's the more significant issue. So that'll scare people. Septic will definitely scare oh, people. Yeah. Um, I would say those are really your two, two biggest issues. Um, Buried oil tanks. That scares Oil me. tanks don't scare people as much. If we have an underground oil tank here in New York, you just simply get an abandonment certificate, which can cost you a thousand bucks to do. Um, if you've got to abandon and then put the tank above ground, you know, you're looking more like free for yeah. total to abandon and, and, and replace. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, sometimes you'll have an above ground oil tank. That's fine. But oh, then they come across an in-ground one that was used, you know, in the past. And then at that point, you have to um, simply, uh, you know, just get your abandonment. Yeah, New Jersey is the opposite. New Jersey, I had two of them one time, and that was a it's the state gets involved and it's a whole like different process. So like in New Jersey, if you're listening to this and you and you're in New Jersey, especially North Jersey, it can be really it can be a problem with the oil tanks because there's a lot of them there. So they have a different process. New York, they're there, but there's not as many of them. We had a yeah. property that I actually wholesaled, but uh there was two leaking underground oil tanks. And it was really, and like one of them was leaking into the house. So it was like, it was That's a problem. Road. Yeah. We had, the seller had to leave like 20 grand in escrow. So oh yeah, it was bad. Uh, New York. I mean, honestly, in New York, you can do the 2 a.m. night shift if you're really feeling crazy. Um, but you didn't hear that from me. Yeah. Right? But usually people find an abandoned oil tank. It's not an end, end of the world, but everyone likes to cover their bases. You get an abandonment certificate and that's it. You know? Done deal. Yeah. New York's actually easy for that. And even too, in New York, I realized like when you have open COs and stuff, like you can still close and do the work afterwards in New Jersey. They, sometimes it's a, unless it's like a foreclosure and the seller's distressed, you can't even transact the property until the CFO is closed. In New York, they don't. Oh, wow. You can just you can just close, and then you just have to deal with it afterwards. 
Um, that's another thing, actually, I guess we'll end with this. So, so now let's get into, I mean, you do new builds as well. So that's obviously going to require brand new permits. How do you approach permits when you have to get them? Like, what do you like with open COs like that, that can be, that's another thing that really throws off new flippers is they, they don't know. They've just, they've never even know what a CO is. And all of a sudden they have this violation and they have to fix it. So what do you guys kind of normally, you know, look for? Like you, get a permit for everything? Are you just kind of dealing with, cause I'm sure you bought a lot of houses with open COs and you have to kind of work them out. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a house right now that we just put on the market yesterday. It's got all sorts of open permits, right? Um, our final is scheduled for next week, but even the towns are just so delayed and screwed up that even if we pass our final inspection, it could be a while before we actually, you know, it's, we get the CO. Nice thing about New York is that we can still close, hold money in escrow. It certainly looks a lot better if everything's passed because then you're like, all right, we're just waiting for the final paperwork. It's not a home run that you get the CO because they could say, oh, well, we missed this or we missed this. But everything passes the final. It looks a lot better. We have that right now. I mean, we bought that house at the price that it was at because somebody didn't want to deal with closing everything out. So it's like, okay, we'll we'll deal with it. And we might have to deal with it even after, you know, we sell it, which is what will likely happen. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing there. You know, we can buy uh, houses with, you know, extensions and legal extensions. Uh, if there's no open violations or open permits and there's no COs for those respective extensions, I would say first floor extensions, garage conversions, uh, basements, finished basements, those aren't as much of an issue. Where it becomes an issue is second story you know, like dormers without permits. Oh my God. How does someone even do that without getting a permit? It's so odd. It happens all the time. Happens all the time. So second story, you know, extensions where they added a whole new floor. If it's not an open permit, I would actually say in some ways it's better because at least you know it was approved. Like the one we, the house we just listed has that. But it granted the permit, which means the work was approved. If you don't have a CO and you're doing some kind of crazy big extension, that could scare people. First floor extensions don't scare people as much, um, but second floor ones without COs do. Yeah, that's a major um, So I think that's a bigger issue. Um, obviously, new construction is a whole other animal. Um, anything that you get that's new construction, you, you know, be prepared for it to take at least a year before you get permits. By the time you go through everything, Department of Health and planning and highway and everything, and you get everything in, it, it could be a long, long time. So you can wait a year to even break ground, basically. Yeah. Depends on where you are. Because I know with that that long, uh, Hampton house, I mean, that took a while, right, to, to break yeah, ground. Yeah, I mean, I bought that in December of 2021 and August of 2022, but it had an existing house on there. So that's what helped. But, you know, raw land to develop is a whole other animal. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you got to think about that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, that one – you know, wasn't terrible, but by no means great either, you know? Yeah. And that, that, I mean, when you buy land too, like you're just sitting on something that's a liability until, until you sell it or rent it or refi it. So really you're, you're, you know, you have to really understand that there's going to be a, a substantial capital investment yeah. with not a lot of, you know, you're, you're not going to turn your money that fast. So you really got to, you know, be, be aware of that and you, you need to understand that you know it's going to take especially in new york you know with the way that things happen it's it's just it's difficult to work there and that's why i think there's a little bit more opportunity there so in summary as we start to wrap this show up here do you, what is your advice for people because you see a lot of people online they're like 
oh yeah, if it's a big rehab, it's sixty-five dollars per square foot, and then they just kind of use that. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you? I don't know how anybody could actually use that number. I think it varies from house to house so much. I think you have to break it down on a line item basis. And, yeah, you know, you could have you know your demo, your roof, your siding, your windows, kitchen, bathroom, paint, floor, trim landscaping right so you you know you've got your big 10 there right and then you know you could have separate light items oil tank well septic right at least think of that and and, and you're gonna have to look at it as a line item for each and you That's have to add it up which is what i've seen you do when we've gone over the rehab for your jobs um and then maybe add a little contingency i don't necessarily have a contingency I just look at my numbers and I say, okay, at this rehab, selling at this price, will it work? And if it doesn't, I've seen enough stuff go sideways to know how much it'll go sideways by, will I still make money? And chances are I will. And again, that's not always correct. That's not always right. But, you know, and I'm not saying a couple of times, I wish I had it back. But if you extrapolate, if you do that enough over the course of a lot of rehabs, you're more, almost always going to come out ahead. And a few times that you're not, you're going to say, well, I followed the same methodology across 20, 30, 50, 100 houses. I made money. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. So you have to start thinking sort of big picture, big picture, and playing the long game and realize that like a one-off rehab, yeah, if you're one of those guys that just does that, be super detailed because you may not have, it may go bad and you may not have that other rehab to balance it out. In my case, we're looking at it on a more on at scale and we're, we're implementing this methodology and we're basically using it the same time many times over. Yeah. And that's what I do now. I just look at like the old, the last rehab we did. Okay. This is what it costs. Oh, this house is a little bit bigger. Let's make some adjustments. You know, after a while you just know, right? Like yeah. you just look at it. It's like I've, I've been there. I've done that. You know, and I might say 90 and the contractor says, sorry, it's more like 100. It's like, okay, well, our spread was big enough and, you know, maybe our profit goes down from 60 to 50. Yeah, and I just keep track of it on a simple Google Sheet. I don't have some fancy rehab calculator that's out there. I just use a Google Sheet line by line. I mean, you've seen them. I've shared them with you. I mean, it's just simple. Just line by line. That's it. Add it up. I usually do a 10 to 12% fudge factor for me just in case. You know, I missed something. And then that way, if the thing comes back lower than expected, then that's just extra profit. So main point of the show is you got to really dial these numbers in and you really are not going to start getting good in this until you start doing deals and you start actually doing these rehabs and getting contractor estimates and going full cycle with these things. I mean, this sounds great to hear, but until you're actually out in the street doing this, you know, your learning curve is really going to shorten. So, um, you know, hopefully this podcast was a good rule of thumb for people. You know, we, we actually gave like real numbers out on, on what stuff should cost. So you can go back and use this as a reference. So Jeremiah, man, always appreciate you coming on and contributing to the shows. So if people wanted to follow you and uh, check you out online, maybe they got a house in Long Island they want to sell to you or whatever the case might be. How do they get in touch? Uh, social media, you know, whether it's Instagram, Jeremiah J. Dalton underscore or Facebook, you know, um, those are the best ways to reach out to me. Cool. And then your website is SuffolkCountyHouseBuyers.com if they want to sell yep. a product. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks, pal.
Thank you for listening to an episode of the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I hope you got a lot of value from this specific episode. And there are a few takeaways that you're able to gather from this to implement in your business so you can be a more successful real estate investor. So if you did get value from the show, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes, it would really mean a lot to me. That's how we keep growing the show and getting great guests is because people see the reviews. They see that we have a high quality show and they want to contribute as a guest. So that would be great. Also, if you got value, if you could share the show on social media, that would be great because that is how people see this besides the reviews. So once again, if you did get value, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes and share the show on social media, it would really mean a lot to me and I'll see you on the next episode.